Well, you coming? Where? Why, to the North Pole, of course! This is the Polar Express! To you, uh, would you all like to hear some Christmas jokes that maybe you could share at your gatherings here? You know, uh, later today or tomorrow. Okay, so here we go. Um, why do Christmas trees love the past? Because the present is beneath them. Okay, right? This is a pretty good one. All right, how about this one? Why does Santa Claus eat pierogies at Christmas? Because he's North Polish. Yeah. All right. And I'll, I'll give you one more. If you want more, I've got plenty more, but I'll give you one more. Um, what did one sheep say to the other? What did one sheep say to the other on Christmas Day? Fleece Navidad. All right, there you go. So our series this month has been Christmas at the Movies. There are an awful lot of Christmas movies that are fun to watch and rewatch this time of year, and many of them have themes that point us right back into the real Christmas story in the Bible. So that's what we've been trying to do through this series is go right back into the real Christmas story in the Bible. First week of December, we looked at the movie Elf and its theme of identity. And then the second week, we talked about the Grinch movie and its theme of community. Last week, we talked about my personal favorite, It's a Wonderful Life, and its theme of hope. And this morning, we're going to talk about the Polar Express and its theme of belief. Yes, I'm wearing a Star Wars sweater this morning. I didn't have a Polar Express one like Josh, who was up here doing announcements a moment ago. But we are talking about the Polar Express today. Just out of curiosity, how many of you have seen the Polar Express? Have some of you? Okay, looks like the majority of you in here have. For those of you that haven't, I'm not going to completely spoil it for you, but at least I'll give you enough that you can go off of for how this ties into the Bible Christmas story. The story of the Polar Express originated in a children's book, an award-winning, acclaimed children's book in 1985, written by the author and illustrator Chris Van Allsburg. And in 2004, it was turned into a movie directed by Robert Zemeckis, who had previously directed films like Back to the Future, the trilogy, as well as Forrest Gump. And the lead voice actor for the Polar Express was Tom Hanks, who had worked with Robert Zemeckis on Forrest Gump, of course. Polar Express is an animated movie where they shot the actors on live action film and then they layered computer generated animation over the top of them. Pretty groundbreaking at the time, but it gives the movie a very realistic and almost dreamlike kind of look to it. On one level, the Polar Express is simply a children's movie about a boy who's becoming skeptical about the existence of Santa Claus and then ends up truly believing in Santa Claus. But on another level, the Polar Express is actually a parable for grown-ups. It's a parable about a person who loses their faith in Jesus Christ and then goes on a grand journey that results in lifelong faith. In fact, when the director, Robert Zemeckis, was asked about all the biblical parallels that are in this movie, he just sort of winked and said this, nothing in a movie this big 
ends up in the script by accident. So it's a story the way Jesus liked to tell stories. Jesus was a master storyteller, and he liked to use parables, stories that had earthly characters in order to convey the deepest of spiritual truths. So in the Polar Express parable of doubt and belief and faith, there are some various characters. One, there's a boy who represents all of humanity. There's a train, which represents the journey of faith. There's Santa Claus, who represents Jesus Christ. And there's a hobo who's trying to keep the boy trapped in doubt, and he represents Satan. This parable of belief is really relevant to us and the real Christmas story because the real Christmas story can only be experienced in its full effect if we really believe in what it says, specifically believing that there was a virgin girl who gave birth to a baby boy who was God in the flesh who grew up to be the person who would die on a cross for all of humanity's sins and rise again. Here's what the, the Bible says in the Gospel of John about the real Christmas story. John chapter 1, verse 14, it says the word, and here in that passage it means the eternal God, the word, the eternal God, became flesh and dwelt among us. So that's Christmas, my friends. God coming to earth in human flesh. But for some people to believe that, that's a, a bit of a, a leap. Uh, you may even be one of those people this morning. Like, did that really happen? Is the little baby Jesus lying in the manger? Is that really the God of the universe? How can I believe this? Well, here's how the parable of the Polar Express addresses this. The boy who is skeptical about the existence of Santa Claus gets on board a train headed for the North Pole on Christmas Eve. And among the various characters he encounters along the way is the hobo that I mentioned a moment ago. And he has a campfire lit on top of one of the train cars. The hobo wants to keep the boy in doubt and away from a true belief in Santa Claus. So he resorts to mockery and reason, much like in real life how Satan wants to keep all people away from a true faith in Jesus Christ, sometimes through the use of mockery to make us feel like it wouldn't be cool to believe that way or in earthly reason to think we're too smart maybe to actually place our faith in such a thing. I want you to watch a first clip here with me this morning and I want you to watch how the hobo talks about belief and specifically what he tells the boy about it. All right, take a look at this. What about uh, Santa? Santa. Isn't he the king of the North Pole? You mean, you mean this guy? Huh? <laughs> 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 what exactly is, is your persuasion on the big man since you brought him up? I want to believe, but... But you don't want to be bamboozled. You don't want to be let down to Primrose Bad. You don't want to be caught or duped, have the wall pulled over your eyes, hoodwinked. You don't want to be taken for a ride, railroaded. Seeing is believing. Am I right? All right, so did you catch that last thing he said there? Seeing is believing. 
Now, a lot of people think that that's true. It sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds logical, sounds reasonable, but is that true? A lot of people think that it is. Our daughter Faith goes to college in the state of Missouri. Does anybody in here know what the state of Missouri's slogan is? They're the show me state, right? So somewhere along the way, there was a group of Missourians who really wanted to be known as no-nonsense kind of customers, and they don't ever want to have the wool pulled over their eyes to be hoodwinked. They don't want to be led down the primrose path only to find out something on the other side wasn't true. They don't want to be people who like have something told them that they buy into it and it's actually false. So they're the kind of, I'll believe it when I see it kind of people, at least what these old Missourians wanted to be known for. Prove it to me. Show me. Then I'll believe it because in this line of thinking, seeing is believing. Well, this is where Mary, the mother of Jesus, is at first when the angel Gabriel appears to her. And I want to read to you a section of the Christmas story from Luke chapter 1. We're going to go into Luke chapter 2 at the Christmas Eve services this afternoon. But for our purposes this morning, let's take a look at a section of Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26, where it says, In the sixth month, and that means in the sixth month of her relative Elizabeth's pregnancy, with John the Baptist. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I've not had sexual relations with a man? I find this exchange here very interesting if you realize that Luke begins this gospel a few verses up in the first and second verse of chapter one by saying that he carefully investigated all the things related to the story of Jesus, meaning in all likelihood, he had a sit down conversation with Mary at one point where he would have heard her tell firsthand what it was like to have this angel visitation and the things that would have been running through her head. And so she's telling Luke, and the way he relates it back here to us, is that she was saying in that moment when that angel told me that I was going to have a baby and I had never slept with anybody, she's thinking, how can this be? She probably told Luke, I'm standing there thinking, like, I know where babies come from, and that's not like that. So how can, how can I believe this? I've never seen anything like that ever happen. So how can I believe it? And again, that may be where you are with regard to the Christmas story, or maybe even with certain elements of it. Maybe it seems a little far-fetched or a little bit odd. There's a a Christmas greeting card that has a a statement inside it that's become one of my favorites. It says this, Christmas is just plain weird. What other time of year do you sit around staring at a dead tree in your living room and eating candy out of your socks, right? So there are some weird things about Christmas with some of our traditions and celebrations. But you know what else is kind of weird, honestly? The real Christmas story. There's some odd stuff in there. A virgin teen becoming pregnant. A baby who would save the world from its sins. 
a God who wanted to become a human being. I mean, that, that's some kind of weird stuff. And maybe you're somebody who's saying, I've never seen anything like that ever happen before, so I'm going to need some more proof to believe it. Well, there's another person on board the Polar Express who has thoughts on this whole matter of belief, and that's the train conductor. And I want you now to listen to his perspective on this whole matter of belief. All right, take a look. Watch your step, watch your step. It's like you walking up here. It's mighty slick, mighty slick, I tell you. There you go. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? Years ago, on my first Christmas Eve run, I was up on the roof making my rounds, but I slipped on the ice myself. I reached out for a hand iron, but it broke off. I slid and fell, and yet, I did not fall off this train. Someone saved you? Or something. An angel? Maybe. Wait, wait. Well, what did he look like? Did you see him? No, sir. But sometimes seeing is believing. And sometimes the most real things in the world are the things we can't see. All right, you catch what the train conductor said there? He points the boy right back to what the hobo had told him. Seeing is believing, right? You've heard that one before, haven't you, young man? But then he says, sometimes the most real things are the things we can't see. That's almost plucked directly from the pages of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen, the proof of things that we can't see with our physical eyes. So while many people do subscribe to the statement, seeing is believing, the Bible subscribes to this reality. Believing is seeing. When we believe, according to Scripture, then we truly begin to see. Then we begin to see the things that are the most real. And we have to put our faith in Jesus Christ in order to truly see the realities that he wants to bring into our lives. But the believing in him, the faith has to come first before we begin to see those realities. And that, friends, that's the jump. That's the leap that some people feel like is so tremendously hard to take or to make. But thankfully, it isn't a blind leap because we have recorded for us in the pages of Scripture Lots of people who were firsthand eyewitnesses of the things that actually happened regarding Jesus. And we also have the testimony of other people around us whose lives have been changed by Jesus so that we can see something different has happened to them. So it isn't a completely blind leap without any evidence whatsoever. There are things that we can see, but we still have to believe first in order to truly see who Jesus is in all of his glory and what he can truly do in our lives today. Let's listen to the rest of this encounter here that Mary has with the angel Gabriel, because this will help us as we understand this a little bit more. Remember, Mary, as we left off when we were talking about her, she's just been told by the angel that she's going to have a baby without ever having relations with a man. And she's like, how can this be? I've never seen anything like this happen before. Well, the angel goes on to tell her, here's how it's going to work, Mary. Verse 35, the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
And consider your relative Elizabeth, even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. See, I'm the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. May it happen as you have said. May it be done to me according to your word. I believe you, in other words, Mary is saying. I believe. Even before I see this happen, I'm going to believe. Even before I know I'm pregnant, I'm going to believe this is true. I'm going to believe it. And she did believe it. And as a result, she saw. She did become pregnant without having had relations with any man. She gave birth in Bethlehem to baby Jesus, the Son of God, the long-awaited Savior. And when she first held that baby in her arms and she looked in his eyes, she saw the fulfillment of the promises for centuries that God was going to come and deliver his people. But she had to believe it first before she began to see the realities take place. And friends, that's how God works. We believe first, then we see what's really real. And we're never truly going to see who Jesus is unless we believe, because believing is when true sight begins. Now, there's a climactic moment in the Polar Express movie that that really clearly shows how this reality comes to be. And again, I want you to remember the movie is a parable. The boy in the parable represents all of humanity, and Santa Claus in the movie represents Jesus. Well, in the movie, Santa makes his grand entrance on Christmas Eve to take the reins of his sleigh and make his big delivery. And the bells on the reindeer are ringing, but the little boy can't hear the bells. So I want you to watch and kind of see what unfolds here. Okay. I believe. I believe.
What was that you said? Yeah, that's so well done, isn't it? So here's, here's the young man. And again, if you were following along what we're talking about this morning, you've got one character who's saying seeing is believing. And you've got the train conductor who tells him some of the most real things in this whole world are the things you can't see. And then you get to that climactic moment and Santa Claus is making his entrance. Again, Santa Claus is the representative of Jesus in this parable. And what's the little boy saying in the crowd? I can't what? I can't see him. I can't see him. And then that you saw the, the bell falls right at his feet. I hadn't noticed this portion of the movie before and um, watching it again here this December, I caught something I hadn't seen before with the subtitles on at home when we were watching it. And as he shakes that bell next to his ear, and you can hear it, you could slightly hear it here in the room, but it was the voice of the hobo, the Satan character, whispering in his ear, doubter, 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 right? I don't know if you caught that. And then he says, I believe. And it's at that moment when he says, I believe, that he sees. He sees, in terms of our parable, Jesus in all his glory. Why does it work like that? You know, why, why does God make it so that we have to believe first before we truly begin to see the realities of who he is and what he's going to do in our lives? Why couldn't it be that we could have all the evidence up front and it would be irrefutable and every knee on planet earth would bow because it would be irrefutable again that, that God is real, that Jesus was God's son and that Jesus really did die on a cross and rise again. I think it's because, this is just Matthew Rogers' guess here, but I think it's because different people can look at facts and still come away with different conclusions. And God bases this off of faith. He's looking for hearts that are ripe and tender enough to say, I do believe in you based on what I have heard and what I know. I believe. And then God reveals himself to us in all his glory, begins to change our lives from the inside out. There was a guy, I uh, was one of Jesus' disciples, who was very much, uh, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it kind of guy. His name was Thomas. And after Jesus rose from the dead, Thomas is like, I don't believe it. Unless I see this with my own eyes, I'm not going to believe it. So Jesus appeared to him. And then Thomas obviously says, my Lord and my God, I absolutely believe. So here's what Jesus says to Thomas. Thomas, John 20, verse 29, because you've seen me with your eyes, you've believed. Good job, right? But Jesus goes on to say, blessed are those who've not seen and yet believe. He calls them blessed. Blessed why? Because blessed are those who believe first because then they're truly going to see. So how does this apply to you and to me here this Christmas Eve 2023? Let me give you a couple takeaways here to ponder. First, for those of you that are believers here in the room, and I would imagine that's probably the majority of us here this morning, if you're already a believer, how have you seen Jesus at different points in your life? How have you seen him show up? What have you seen him do? It's in remembering those moments that we get the kind of gritty faith that's necessary to hold on and endure until Jesus returns. 
Keep seeing him at work because you're going to need to keep locking those things away for the days ahead because they won't always be easy. So if you're already a believer, keep seeing and keep remembering. You'll need those things. But if you're not yet a believer, and that that may be you here this morning, could it be that you really do want to believe? The boy in the Polar Express, he wanted to believe in the existence of Santa Claus. He had a readiness in his heart. He just didn't know if he could. Are you somebody who would like to believe in him? Maybe it's been discouraging to you to see other people be so convinced and you're not quite there yet. Maybe it's been something that like he's just felt far from you and you haven't really been able to internalize this yourself. If that's the case, I want to encourage you, my friend, just follow Mary's example, the mother of Jesus that we read about this morning, who when she heard about something that she couldn't at first fully believe because she'd never seen it happen before, she ended up at the place saying, just may it happen, may it happen. And maybe that could be your simple breath prayer to God over this holiday season. God, may it happen. I saw a lot of people at that Christmas Eve service singing along with the songs. They sure seem to believe it. I know people who say their lives have been changed by Jesus. May that happen to me. Count me in. I believe. And when that happens to you, you will begin to see realities that maybe prior to this had only seemed like something available to somebody else, but also available to you. Hey, let's stand together. I'd love to pray for us um, before we get ready to go on to our Christmas celebrations the rest of today, or perhaps come back and worship here this afternoon. Worship team's going to come back up and lead us in one last song, but let's just take a moment to pray. Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to truly see the things that are most real, through faith in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for blessing us with that opportunity. And those of us who have already begun this journey of seeing you and knowing you, if there are areas where we're kind of not sure right now, or at times we're beginning to have a little bit of doubt, I pray that you will reinforce what has already been in us and keep us strong to endure our entire lives with rock solid faith. And Father, for our friends here in the room this morning who may not yet fully be at the place where they've jumped into the belief pool, I pray, God, that you will offer them grace through this Christmas season this year to have a softness come over their heart and a readiness to just come before you and say, count me in, I believe. And I pray that through that, God, you will You will show them things previously unimagined and show them what's really real. And I pray that you be kind and compassionate toward them. And we pray this together and everyone in agreement with this prayer says in Jesus' name, amen.